What's up, people, and welcome to Over the Top. We've got reason to celebrate because we did it, y'all. We made it to the end of 2020, this hellhole of a year. I know Justin and I are both pretty excited about that. Before we get started, a reminder that we're on Twitter and Instagram at Over the Top EPL. I'm Kyle. I've got my main man, Justin, here. What is up, good sir? What is up, Kyle? Day 365 of 2020. Did this year go by slowly or really fast for you? You know, it's it actually went by really fast for me. And thank God, because <laughs> this year was like some kind of weird Twilight Zone hellscape. But I don't know if, if that's the case for you, but it went really fast for me. Weirdly fast. Yeah, I mean, maybe because every day is the same. And so it's hard to distinguish, I don't know, any differences in the day. Uh, be nice to record these in person one day again. But you know, I know it's here's been what? to 2021 and uh, getting back yeah. together again. I know it's been about a month and a half since we've actually been doing these things in in person. And I know uh, it's been an adjustment for everyone at work trying to figure out Zoom. But for you and I, it's been uh, kind of tricky to like reestablish that sort of chemistry. I mean, COVID's just been screwing up everything. Yeah, it's uh, probably how a lot of people feel when they're on Teams or Zooms calls for work. Like, you know, when do you talk? Is the other person about to talk? And that like half second delay in video where you could talk over each other. So I definitely talk over Kyle quite a bit, but I think that's better for the podcast anyway to shut him up. So, <laughs> well, I ramble too much. So that's that's kind of a problem. But man, speaking of problems with the Premier League, um, before we get in these games, there's some big news or a lot of discussion going on around the UK right now. Uh, the Premier League recorded a um, record number of new COVID cases in the Premier League this last round of testing with 18. Uh, you've probably heard it in the news about this new variant of the virus in England, which, you know, viruses do that, but apparently from everything we're hearing, it's not more deadly, but is more contagious. And we're kind of seeing that play out right now in uh, the Premier League. So two games were postponed this week. Yeah, City and Everton were postponed, probably would have been the match of the week. Uh, and then Fulham and Spurs as well. So outbreaks at Manchester City and at Fulham, respectively. So that had to call out those two games. Uh, the good news for City, they've done some testing as of today, or I'm sorry, as of Wednesday. So yesterday, we're recording on the 31st, and they had no new cases. So things are looking up for their game this weekend against Chelsea. They're doing more tests to see. And then we're unsure about the Fulham situation. That was, I believe, canceled like hours before the match, right? Yeah, both of these were. I think City Everton, the Premier League announced it maybe four hours before the match started. And then the Spurs Fulham match, it was like was three like hours or three. Before. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jose, if you follow his Instagram page, <laughs> who knew Jose <laughs> had it in him to do, like, to have this kind of social media cloud? But his Instagram page is actually pretty funny. Uh, but he was pretty critical of the fact that three hours is all they had to, you know, three hours before a game. You know, the we understand that the Premier League is, we're all just trying to figure this out, but there's got to be better protocol for calling off games or postponing them. Yeah, it's tricky. I mean, if you have tests the morning of and you cancel, yeah, I don't know. That, there seems like there has to be a better way, but it's a tricky situation. I mean... This, I mean, you're seeing record cases in England right now because of probably because of this new variant that is, like you said, more infectious. But, you know, Sam Allardyce has called for a break. It doesn't look like um, the English Premier League is going to institute this rumored two week break just so, you know, players can self isolate and 
players can get tested and have a break. But I mean, it's affecting people. I mean, Manchester City's dealing with cases, as we mentioned. Um, a lot of teams are going to have to re- utilize their depth. Uh, mm-hmm. Fulham, obviously, even at Newcastle, Kyle hasn't been talked about a lot, but two of their best players, Max or Saint Maximin and Lasell, have been out for over a month dealing with COVID side effects of just shortness of breath and not being mm-hmm. able to jog and work out. So, I mean, I guess is it possible to have a condensed season, or do you think we'll be able to make it through? It's funny you say that because it's already condensed season. So, can you condense the already condensed season? It's just yeah. you know you think about I don't know this discussions about a potential two week. I think circuit break is what everyone mm-hmm. is using. I mean, how would that even work? With you know you would essentially until the end of the season have to be playing midweek games, and then mm-hmm. you consider the teams in the Champions League and the FA Cup and Carabao Cup, and it's really hard to know when these games would be able to, to be played. So, But it looks like Premier League is moving ahead, but I don't think this is going to get any better. Probably in the next week or two, we'll probably see some more cases. So we'll see what happens. But um, just another another reason why it'll be really close up at the top. I mean, this really puts the top teams at a disadvantage, although right. they do have more depth. So, Right. I mean, in you know, the summer, I mean, unless they propose or postpone the Euros again, I mean, they have a stop. I mean, all the best players are going to be going to Euros. Um, last season, the only reason they were able to play in the summer is because that got canceled. Uh, and so they're, that doesn't look like it's going to happen again. I can't imagine they would postpone no. that again. So Yeah, well, in 2022, you got the World Cup. So, I mean, maybe in they... In December. And so that's going to be a headache for the scheduling as well because we have oh, that man. winter dumbass winter world cup so i totally forgot about that over yeah. in uh, abu dhabi over. right or in qatar. Qatar. qatar yeah so interesting stuff uh kyle and you know january is going to be a tough month obviously with the holidays and gatherings and such so i'm sure we're going to see more cases in england um and the premier league in january before hopefully it gets better in february but Getting to our featured matches, Kyle, into the games we're actually played this week. Uh, you know, this crazy, we've said it many times, there's like four games within nine days or something insane on these Premier League players. But interesting match between top of the table Chelsea and Aston Villa, both in the top 10, and they played out a 1-1 draw. What, what do you make of this Chelsea football club? Kind of on a schneid, Kyle. Yeah, they are. And I mean, they're not the only... Uh big six club that's on the slide you have both liverpool and spurs having some pretty disappointing results lately even you could debate united and arsenal aren't playing that great either uh although they've won some matches recently we'll get to those later but yeah chelsea it's it's really really interesting because i think a lot of their two attacking signings well i'm not including ziech in that but their german signings and Werner and havertz clearly need some time to adjust and that could really cost Lampard in the end, which we'll talk about a little bit more. But uh, one guy you can rely on, Olivier Giroud, you know, he ages like fine wine. He had a header in this match. Um, but that Chelsea defense just, they look more solid, but they still are a little vulnerable. El Ghazi had uh, another goal, a really nice volley equalizer. But Chelsea just, they really look like they're off the pace. They do, and I, I would say... Minus Giroud, Kyle, we expect more from their offense. I think their defense is playing kind of how we expected, and in some games even better than we expected, to be honest with you. Looking at the whole season, not necessarily this game, but 
Yeah, I mean, we're definitely expecting more out of some of their players, in particular their German signings of Havertz and Werner, and it's just particularly the former Havertz being, mm-hmm. I would say, fairly disappointing so far. So, yeah. you know, yeah. we're gonna see we're gonna see what happens. So let's talk about that more in a second. Let's get back to the flow of the game. So Giroud scores. El Ghazi had a volleyed equalizer. A little bit of controversy, Kyle. In this game, does is that a foul on Grealish, or do you think uh, Andreas Christensen being a little bit of a wimp? I think he's being a little bit of a puss. Uh, but you, <laughs> you know, what, I mean, what is what happened essentially is Grealish does what Grealish always does, and he tries to draw fouls and dangles legs so he gets those fouls. But in dangling a leg, he he does sort of ram his shin into Christensen's shin. But dude, come on, you have shin shin guards. You gotta. He's he's being a little puss on that one. He caused. I mean. Him. Yeah, I mean, player, you scout your other team. You know what Grealish does, so be a smart player and don't take the bait, right? That's my view. I don't know. It's a foul yeah. a foul, and I, I think Christensen's being a puss, too. So, yeah, 1-1. I think probably it's a fair result. I mean, you look at the stats and the XG, Chelsea edged it out a little bit, but just due to the flow of the game, the nature of the teams, I would say a draw is more like just probably the most fair result, to be honest. Yeah, I'd have to agree, and I think it says a lot that the stats were really even... Uh, but even more telling that Chelsea made a lot of changes because Lampard was talking about a need for more energy. Villa essentially put out the same team and you couldn't, it didn't really look like Chelsea really deserved uh, to win this match. I, I also feel like a draw was, was fair. Um, you know, but if you put on a Werner that that's on good form, Chelsea probably win this game, but that's not the case. Uh, you know, we're talking about the Germans earlier. They both didn't start this match, but uh, didn't matter. Chelsea had less energy. Um, you know, we talked about Giroud's header, how he's aging like fine wine. Uh, he scores when he starts. He has 11 goals in his last 14 starts. So he essentially, for me, has to start. You have to start him right now. You got to go with the hot hand. And I would say you put him. I mean, he's been probably their most important attacking player. And then Pulisic looks like he's a must start right now as well. I mean, he's been the most vibrant, having the most direct attacking runs and being the most dangerous. So I would say those are your two must starts. And then hopefully Werner gets it going because obviously he has pace and he's done it years in the German league. So, you know, he can do it. Like it's just, yeah. can he do it consistently for Chelsea? Um, Chilwell almost had a great goal in this game, Kyle. I thought that was going in. I was like, holy God. I mean, he was probably the player of the match, to be honest with you. I mean, he was really good this game. It probably been overall really good for Chelsea this whole season. Yeah, you could argue maybe their best signing, although Mendy and Thiago Silva would have something to say about that. But um, all their defensive signings are hitting the ground running. And Chilwell, as, as far as an outside back goes, he's just, he's a cool customer. I mean, he's very technical. He might not be the most athletic in the world, but a good signing, even though they did overpay for uh, for him. But moving moving on to Aston Villa, we're talking about Giroud and how much he's been scoring lately, but Anwar El Ghazi, five goals in five matches. The dude is on form. Yeah, dude. I mean, he he didn't play much in the beginning of the season or hardly at all. And since he's got into the fold, he's been scoring and scoring bangers sometimes too. I mean, this guy's been consistent. I mean... If you add him to this attack and Ross Barkley gets healthy, I mean, at what point do you say this is like a top six attacking quartet in the Premier League, you know? I mean, they're humming at all cylinders. And, you know, McGinn hit the post this game. I mean, they're sitting in fifth place with two games in hand now. 
uh, with El Ghazi in form. They have Bertrand Traore that we've said that's looked pretty good in recent matches. Obviously, Grealish, Ollie Watkins has been really good in their first season there. I mean, at what point, Kyle, do you say, hey, they can actually do this thing and make the Champions League? I, it's an interesting discussion because you look at the, you know, we're almost halfway through the season, but I think there's so many games in such a short amount of time and the table is so condensed that uh, it's way too early to even say who's a shoe in for top four right now. I mean, even Liverpool should be running away with it, but they're not, Mm -hmm. you know, Man City has all these games in hand too. So who knows what happens with them? And as we've seen with um, both United moving up and, Spurs and Everton moving up and then Spurs moving down all it takes is three good or bad results and you can either you know sink or swim so I would probably give Villa another five to eight matches and if they're still up there oh yeah I I think they're good enough to at least challenge I don't think they'll make Champions League but uh they're good enough to you know make that a possibility January is a make-or-break month for Villa. So their next four, Kyle, away tomorrow at Manchester United. Massive game. Yep. Home against Spurs. Home against Everton. Away at Manchester City. By the end of January, we're going to know a lot about where Aston Villa, if they're a mid-table team or if they're Europa or maybe challenging for top four. I don't think they're... Their, their floor is pretty high right now. I mean, they've been playing so well. I mean, you look at what the relegation teams are doing. They're far and away better than that. So Aston Villa, congrats to them. I mean, even mid-table, what a fantastic achievement for them. But um, we'll know a lot in four weeks. Absolutely. And they've done really good business as well. So they kind of spent money randomly last season, but took a different approach this season. It was more targeted, and it's uh, working wonders for them. Speaking Moving of wonders... On, yeah, you mentioned uh, teams that you know find results and can rock it up the table. Manchester United, Kyle, find themselves three points off first place with a game in hand, and they beat one. Ni- they beat Wolves one nil at the death this weekend with a last-minute Rashford deflected goal. Fergie time coming back and gracing Manchester United, Kyle. Fergie time is back. Ollie is there. Feels like old times a little bit, but. Does it, though? I mean, you know, on one hand, you got to give Manchester United credit because they were pushing for this goal, even though they they weren't very good in this game. Uh, I thought a draw was probably a more fair result than anything else. But, um, you know, United did have the more clear-cut chances. Uh, They had a VAR potential handball not not called. Uh, For me, I don't think that's a penalty either. But... Um, you got to say there's an element of luck in that last minute Rashford goal. There is. And yeah, I mean, they, they keep finding ways to get it done. I know we've made fun of this guy a little bit, but Bruno Fernandez, uh, Penandez, I mean, sorry. What a fantastic signing he's been oh, since man. last January. I mean, just think of Spurs who almost signed him a year and a half ago that fell through. And now what he's doing for Manchester United must hurt you a little bit. It does. It does. And there's, you know, I think it says a lot that there's a real case to be made that Bruno Fernandes might be the best player in the Premier League in 2020, the calendar year. Uh, There's a discussion, you know, you could probably make the case for the season two, but all those penalties do sort of inflate his, uh, you know, his statistics. But you got to say he's been the catalyst for completely turning around United, at least so far. Oh, they would be nowhere near second without him. No. 
nowhere sniffing that. So credit to them. I mean, there were a few clear-cut chances on both sides in this game. United, like you said, weren't that good. But, I mean, what what do you make of the Manchester United this season? I mean, in the beginning, obviously terrible. And then they gave up all these, you know, early leads and they would have to claw their way back into games. And now they're just finding ways to win. So would you say overall positive United have been good and now they're going to find their stride and play their best and easily finish top four. Do you think they're going to fall back to crash back to earth and really show what they are? Well, I think it's been a mixed bag when you consider the champions league as well. I mean, they had that in the bag and all they had to do is at least get one more result against uh Basaksa here right and they couldn't do that and then they lost their last two matches against Leipzig and uh PSG so when you consider the Champions League as well uh it's been really inconsistent and when you look at the Premier League it's also been inconsistent but to their credit as you said they're they're finding ways to win and although they might be terrible in the first half in a lot of matches uh it takes a certain kind of you know, uh, balls and self-confidence to, you know, score three goals in the second half. And we all know they have these players to be able to do that. But um, in the Premier League, though, it's definitely been more positive than anything else. You know, the table doesn't lie, but sticking with that line of logic, the table doesn't lie in how close it is between second place and, what is it, ninth? I think there's a difference of four points, so... That's that's it. So if they put together, I mean, they have a few tricky games coming up. And if they, you know, don't get any points out of, you know, one or two of those games, suddenly they're back down to fourth or fifth, you know, but it depends. So close. Looking at United's next five real quickly, they host Aston Villa, uh, then go to Burnley, go to Liverpool, go to Fulham and then host Sheffield. So kind of a mixed bag there. Obviously, Liverpool is a game that stands out, but Villa is a tough game. Burnley's playing a little better. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, But yeah, I mean, they're probably not going anywhere uh, in January from that top of the table. Moving on to Wolves really quickly, Kyle. I mean, you could say they're unlucky to lose. I mean, Wolves have not been putting together bad performances lately. I mean, they've had a tough schedule. They had to play Chelsea. They played Spurs recently. Now they played United. So this is a lot to go through. And they're without a striker. And with a striker, I'm pretty confident, Kyle, that they would have had better results in some of these games. 100%. If they had a striker, I think they at least score one goal in this game. At the very least, I don't think they lose this. Uh, if they have a striker, they beat Spurs. I mean, Fabio Silva missed a sitter at the 93rd minute uh, last match week. So, you know, we're going to sound like a broken record. I mean, they've got crafty players. Uh, all of their attacking positions, minus a striker, are really talented, sort of cheeky, fun-to-watch players. But again... They need a striker more than any other team. They need a signing in, in January more than any yeah. other team in the Premier League. Moving on, Kyle, West Bromwich Albion, a.k.a. Barcode FC, got smacked 5-0 by Leeds. So West Brom, Sam Allardyce FC go from a 1-1 draw against Liverpool to an absolute, absolute shellacking by Leeds. And... If you look at XG, Kyle, which is we do this and we mention this almost every episode, it was only 0.9 to Leeds to 0.6 to West Brom. So that tells you Leeds scored some bangers, Kyle. Oh, man. Four out of five of these goals were just worldies. I mean, the one that wasn't was Rodrigo finally getting on the score sheet for my fantasy team. There we go. You got to do more often, though. 
But uh, well, I I mentioned I mentioned that's the one non banger. But this West Brom own goal, wow, that's like one of the worst things I've seen <laughs> this entire season. Passing it back into an empty net. What are you doing, son? But besides those two, I mean, Alioski scored a banger from outside the box with his left foot. Uh, this Jack Harrison goal was a beautiful team move with a really nice mm-hmm. move at the end, hitting in the top corner with his left. Um, you know, ex-Wake Forest product. You don't really see that that often. And then, uh, in my opinion, the goal of the bunch, Rafinha. Man, this guy is a lot of fun to watch. Uh, he's got the dribbles. He's got the sauce. Uh, but he also is a nice finisher as well, and he curled one into the top corner uh, in the 72nd minute. They just, they smacked West Brom, and you just, you love to see it. You love to see it. I mean, just talking with the positive for a second, I mean, Leeds, it's that suicidal game plan, right, which we talk about almost every episode where they attack in numbers. I mean, if they have a breakaway or any sort of attack, you see the players sprinting forward, like five, six, just this wave of white moving forward up into yeah. The attack. So, I mean, it's really fun to watch. I mean, there are hardly any games involving Leeds United that are boring uh, for the neutral like you and I. So, I mean, can be suicidal, and they're going to be playing some tough teams ahead. So we'll see what happens, like Spurs. So we'll see how that game plan translates to a Mourinho side, like a park the bus. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, their quality in Rodrigo and Rafinha is really showing. And now that Rodrigo is playing week in and week out, he's showing that quality that he has and that we've been crying out for weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and and I love watching Rafinha as well. I I I'm not sure how much of a goal scorer Rodrigo is, but just for those two, their general play is just they've got quality. I mean, both of those guys could play for big six clubs. If if you're asking me, uh, I love watching them. And you know, you're talking about this wave of white when they attack. I mean, you watch them. Bamford is you know hugging next to the center backs in the center. Uh, Rafinha is also at right in line with all the defenders, and so is Harrison. And they usually have a fourth guy, like maybe right behind them, and then a fifth guy not far behind. And then Dallas, who's playing defense, will also somehow <laughs> yeah. get up to the front. They're just they're crazy to watch. I mean, they've got to do the most running out of any team in the league. I mean, I swear, because they also press hard as well. They do. But, um, you know, everyone when they talk about leads will ask, can they keep it up? the whole season will they just completely uh run out of steam as they did in championship the one year they didn't get promoted under bielsa so uh but there's a real <laughs> it's a real debate if they are the most entertaining side in the league you could say you could argue that they are they have uh they've scored 30 goals they conceded 30 goals and i think only yeah chelsea manchester united and liverpool have scored more goals and you can see why Absolutely. And I, I think like you look at the quality of teams at the bottom and how bad they are. I'm like, man, I don't see them relegation. They're probably mid table somewhere between that 14 and eight, depending on how things go. I probably near the bottom of that, but so entertaining to watch. And I think they're just going to be just fine this season. But West Brom, I mean, how quickly does that oh. Liverpool draw get erased from your mind? And the unorganized nature of this game, players passing it into their own net just incapable of generating anything. I mean, I think I told you pre-show I lost it, but I think they had like 24% possession in this game and they were down early. So, I mean, they had to chase this game, 26% possession. So, I mean, that's pretty sad when you have to chase a game and force the ball. I mean, Sam Allardyce even said after the game, we have to get players that are better than what we already have. 
That is not good. That's daunting. And, you know, Big Sam has, you know, the Big Sam Allardice has this record of never getting relegated. He's, what, done it with maybe eight teams. But all these squads that he's come into have been good defensively, but have just really struggled to score goals. This West Brom team, I look at that defense, mm, I, I don't really know if they could really pull off the Big Sam style uh, as well as they should. And, you know, under a Big Sam team, if they're ever chasing a game, if they're down a goal, they're toast. So, I, man, West Brom, I think, I think they've got problems, and this would be one of Allardyce's biggest achievements if he uh, manages to keep them up because I don't, I, I don't think that's likely. Yeah, worst defense in the Premier League by a mile right now. Um, so just absolutely brutal. All right, Kyle, time for rapid fire. All right, Kyle, Crystal Palace won, Leicester won. Uh, key moments in this game. I mean, but let's, I'm going to start off with Zaha for my fantasy team, Kyle. I mean, oh. what a great solo one and Bali. I mean, oh. without Zaha, Crystal Palace might be a relegation team. Oh, no doubt. I mean, he made that goal, uh, not just in his finish, but he created the entire chance by like running past four or five players. Uh, man, he's, he's great to watch. This was classic Crystal Palace, 33% possession, uh, one shot on target, the Zaha goal, way less XG. And uh, their one hope going forward is Zaha. So he's a great player, but uh, you mentioned big moments in the match. Kalechi Iheanacho in for Jamie Vardy, who had a rest from the start, missed a penalty. Oh man, this guy really hasn't progressed in the way that people thought when he came on the scene at Man City at 18 years old. And Harvey Barnes, another goal, another nice goal too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's been, what is it, the last four games, three goals or something like that. So he's been really good lately. And Leicester, I mean, they're going to rue not not getting more out of this game. I mean, seventeen shots to four, but you know, when you when you have two games in forty eight hours, like they had to do from Boxing Day to the twenty eighth, that is brutal on a team. So, like, just like the same with Crystal Palace as well. So that you know, you understand a draw in this game and hope they do more with future games, but they were missing Vardy, Madison, Telemans, Fofana. I mean. When you're missing your best players, it's sometimes hard to get going again with those tired legs. Moving on to Brighton and Arsenal, Kyle. Arsenal defeats Brighton 1-0. I am so sick of both of these teams. But just to recap a little bit, Aubameyang gets the start, looked terrible again. Lacazette comes off the bench, scores 21 seconds after coming onto the pitch uh, with his first touch. So... Like we've said in previous episodes, Lacazette seems to be their most dangerous finisher. He's been on the bench a lot, coming off the bench now or starting in the previous game and scoring. And so Arsenal, two wins in a row and two wins since Justin Jersey time. You just had to throw on that jersey, didn't you, man? Uh, But, you know, more than just you throwing on the jersey, uh, last match in their win against Chelsea was when the first time when they really went full youngsters in that midfield with that combination of uh Saka, Martinelli and Smith Rowe uh behind whoever striker they play. I think last game it was Lacazette. They started with the bombing this game. Um bombing. That's a really weird discussion. I don't really know what's going on there with him, but those three are really promising. And in the last match it was Saka and Martinelli that looked 
like the real bright spots. But Smith Rowe in this game, I thought was was really neat and tidy. It just shows a more than anything need uh, a center attacking mid, and he um, he's definitely got that under his belt. But Brighton, man, you mentioned you are just tired of Brighton, um, and the reason you're probably tired of Brighton is because they actually play some pretty good football. They overplay. They pass around. Uh, the box, the opponent's box, and then they just don't finish it. They don't try to create goal-scoring chances. They just overplay, and it's just, oh man, it's it's frustrating to watch. And now they've only had they've only had a one home win in all of the 2020 calendar year. Uh, they're relegation contenders again, and you know people might get frustrated with uh, Graham Potter, former Swansea legend, and his style of play. It's frustrating because they should be near the Wolves style and they should be around 20 points at least Brighton instead they're 13 and two points off relegation like at some point if you can't finish all these great chances that you're making for yourselves like I just want you out of the league and Brighton I mean I wanted them out last season and I'm leaning that way this season it's just so frustrating moving on Burnley uh, another relegation contender but they've been playing their some themselves out Kyle with a 1-0 win over Sheffield United Burnley, three wins in their last five and 10 points in their last five games. Are, what's changed? You got to say, you got to give Burnley credit. They seem like they have finally showed up this season. And when you look at this kind of Burnley team, this is classic Burnley. It seems like they've gotten back to exactly what uh, Deitch wants. Uh, just really gritty, really ugly to watch, solid you know, they, they defend set pieces well, and then they score their only goals off of set pieces and nick a 1-0 win, uh, bend me with the header in this one. So uh, this just looks like the return of, of old Burnley. And real quick before we go on to Sheffield, who's just boo-boo, uh, Burnley reportedly will have new owners in the next few days, um, right. maybe even before their next match. So interesting developments there. Also, Kyle, Burnley's results, you talked about keeping clean sheets and nicking those 1-0 wins. They've allowed two goals in their last five games. So yeah. that, that's how they win. They're not scoring. They've scored nine goals all season. And time so to the get fact, the, the time to get the Burnley have, defenders on your fantasy team. You got to get them on your fantasy team. The fact that they have 16 points with only scoring nine goals is kind of amazing. That's classic Burnley, man. They are ugly. Uh, Sheffield United of, have scored eight goals. Oh. And yeah, Fugly is right. I mean, <laughs> Two points for Sheffield through 16 games. I mean, probably worse than the Huddersfield rate at this point. I mean, this is terrible. And if they don't start scoring goals soon, I mean, they're just going to be toast. I mean, they already look toast, but they're going to be defi- like burnt toast soon if they don't score a goal. I mean, they could be relegated by <laughs> April, maybe March. I mean, Jesus, they're going to be bye-bye pretty soon if they don't at least start scoring some goals. It's bad. Moving on, we have Newcastle nil, Liverpool nil. Eh, game. I mean, the I think the main takeaway in this is Salah missed some great chances, Kyle. I mean, Liverpool had it in the bag, really, but Salah. I mean, generating more expected goals than the whole Newcastle team combined in this game. It's it was something to see, and I mean, Darlow had some good saves, but I think the main takeaway is Salah. Salah missed the chances that he usually converts. He had two glorious chances that he just put wide on both occasions. So uh, Liverpool will be disappointed with that. I think Firmino also kind of missed a really good opportunity as well. But um, yeah, Liverpool just looked a little blunt. Um, they also needed Allison to make a save uh, on, I believe it was Callum Wilson as well. So 
I don't know that whoever's stepping in a center back, I've seen them both get burned in Reese Williams and Nat Phillips. Uh, so Liverpool now have dropped points against Newcastle, Barcode FC, aka West Brom, and we've seen how they did against Fulham. Uh, Fulham, sorry, I meant Leeds. Uh, they also dropped points to Fulham and Brighton. So they're missing great chances to pull away and run away with this league. They this was the year to pull away because teams are you know. You've seen Chelsea struggle, Spurs have struggled, City have struggled. Liverpool had this, but six draws is really yeah. what's keeping them from... Because they only have one loss this whole season, but all those draws are what keeping them from running away. And now all these other teams can get players back and chase them down. So I would say Liverpool missed some opportunities here, even with all those defender problems. Agreed, agreed. And although on, this, on the day the issue was the goal scoring... Um, to me, Liverpool desperately need a center back. It hasn't affected them yet, but you know, I missed. I, I mentioned Reese Williams and Nat Phillips, Phillips getting burned, and if they really, I've, I've heard they're considering not signing a center back. Um, the failure to sign a center back, in my opinion, could cost them the title because to me, the main winners the last few weeks are Manchester City, and they haven't even hit form yet. Aguero will come back eventually. I don't know. City's got to be licking their lips. Some interesting games upcoming for Liverpool. Southampton, United, Burnley, Tottenham, West Ham. And some of those teams, particularly United and Spurs, can really attack. So, I don't know. Liverpool are going to be tested for sure. Uh, one point on Newcastle. DeAndre Yedlin, former Sounder great Kyle. Getting some games. Is he... What? What? Where did he come from? Is he playing for a contract? Or is he trying to angle back for a move to the MLS or something? I don't know. He He's really is back from the dead. Um, I wonder if he's won the starting berth, the right back for the squad. It's going to be fascinating. I mean, I don't think Javier Manquillo is something great. No. So we'll see if Yedlin can hit some form. Lastly, Kyle, Southampton and West Ham, two mid-table teams that have done really well to start the season, especially Southampton. Play out a nil-nil draw, and this is two games in a row that Southampton have had some snoozers. So... We don't really have to. We don't really have to say too much about this game, other than we're going to blast it into outer space. Second game in a row where Champ, our beloved Champ, get blasted in outer space. You just you hate to see it. Um, some kind of extracurricular news on this one because the match is just so dull. Uh, Ralph Hasenhutl is at home, self isolating in this one. He wasn't on the bench. We saw Scott Parker, uh, manager of Fulham, do the same last match week. So um, again. COVID problems. Yeah, and that's it for this week. I mean, it was a it was a crazy week. Only eight matches. Uh, we got some games coming up after New Year's, so should be exciting. And the match of the week, probably Chelsea City um, for this New Year's Day, uh, New Year's weekend match week. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll see if it even gets played. Honestly, I mean, man, uh, the Premier League was it Manchester City. Yeah, I think Manchester City are confident this game could go ahead. Apparently, they uh, didn't have any training and they shut down their facilities for a few days as everyone got tested. So apparently, they're uh, they resumed training. I think it was yesterday or today. Yesterday, I'm to, yeah. I'm starting to lose track of the days, man. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens, but yeah, some fascinating matches ahead. Uh, hopefully, we get all ten this time. Uh, Fulham, I don't know the situation, so we'll see there, but. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, this kind of concludes, I mean, I guess we'll have one episode next week and then that kind of concludes our Fast and Furious uh, podcasting. Listeners, yeah. you got, you've got a lot of Kyle and I these last few days. 
Oh yeah, and we've been in all sorts of different recording areas. I've been uh, over <laughs> visiting some family at home at my girlfriend's house. I'm just I'm going around, and now you're in Moses Lake, Washington. Why are you over Moses there? Moses Lake, Washington. Girlfriend's got some work, so I drove her over last night. Five hours, Kyle, to get here. By the way, how's the weather out there? Uh, it's a little snowy, cold. Got some snow on the ground. Let me tell you, this is not the place to be in the winter. There is absolutely nothing here. It's a nice lake town in the summer, but in the winter, mm-mm, flat and boring. You got to say, if you're not from the Pacific Northwest, not really the region to visit uh, this time of year. I mean, the hikes are beautiful. You could ski and snowboard and stuff in Western in the mountains, but. Jeez, it is. It's dark. It's grim. And with COVID, I'm really feeling it. Before we sign off, Kyle, I'm just going to say Arsenal played West Brom this weekend. And I think I'm going to go 3 0 since Arsenal jersey. And so if, this, if Spurs keep struggling, I might need you to throw on one of those. <laughs> hey, uh, well, you mentioned Arsenal and Spurs. This is crazy. So I know Spurs have played one less game. Arsenal for their terrible season and Spurs being title contenders three weeks ago, apparently. I think they're only six points apart. Can you believe that shit? Six points. You are correct. Spurs do have one game in hand right now, but you are correct that they are six points apart. What is up with this season, man? Crazy. Crazy. Well, for Kyle, I am Justin. We will see you in a few days. Stay safe and happy new year. Stay safe, y'all.